Yeah. We going? Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. Thank you so much for joining us. I have an in-studio guest today. Thank you so much, Malik. I appreciate that. In-studio guest, I am so excited. For, uh, you know, if, if people who have been watching Tales from the Gemini, first of all, thank you so much. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. And it seems like I just do, like, racers or, or you know, whatever like that. But it, honestly, it's people who inspire me. And this next guest, I don't know why I didn't think of him in the first place. Because this guy, you talk about an inspiration. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. He is a former child model turned <laughs> turn, turn. Navy SEAL. He was a fitness model at the age of five for the finish line, was it? And now, yeah. honestly, and now he's one of the 50 black Navy SEALs. He's my buddy. He's my, honestly, he's my friend. And we've battled many times. Mr. Kenneth Bigby Jr. Kenneth, how you doing, brother? BT. What's cracking, Good man. to see you, man. Yeah. Speaking of microphone, man. Speaking of microphone. What's cracking with it? Man, I just remember, honestly, I remember... Being at Marcelo's, yeah, Marcelo's Dojo, and me and you just going having battles. I remember his role of having battles. I remember, like, who is this dude? And I don't know why, but all I, what I remember is you had hurt your ankle, and you still taped up, and you still went. Yeah. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, I gotta try to break this dude's ankle because I remember you were because you were we were we were rolling, we were going uh, hard, and I was uh, like, uh, I gotta uh, get this dude's ankle. I said, like, this dude is he's getting the best of me. I gotta get this dude. I remember we we had good battles, but you had a lot of great. Psychological tactics, man. Because, you think so, really? Yeah, because and Marcelo had to tell you to tone it down on the psychological tactics because I remember you was going to the changing room and then you <laughs> took off your shirt and then took off your pants and you was just in the little thong with the nipple rings. And Marcelo had to come over to him and say, he was like, bro, bro, excuse, excuse, excuse me, bro. bro can, can, can you not do this out here like this, bro? The, the, the women are like either getting excited or uncomfortable. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> what it was was people that don't know when we did jujitsu together. There, there was a, a separate room, but I had I had bicycle shorts. It was down there, the tights, the tights underneath it. And yeah, I would just change there, and then yeah, and then Marcelo, like, bro, bro, you, 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 you can't, you, bro. We, we've got women here. They come. And I go, what are you talking about, Marcelo? I'm just walking around. Like, this is back around a, a decent body. I was like, Marcelo, what are you talking about? You know, you're not brothers with a good body walking around. Yeah. What do you mean, what, man? What do you mean? I gotta put my stuff on, bro. Come on, man. I'm marketing for you. Yeah. <laughs> Everything just hanging out. Yeah, like, right? ah, yeah, he was. How you yeah. like me now? Slanging so, and banging. Yeah. In there. <laughs> so yeah, man. But we had, and then I didn't realize. And I just thought you was this dude coming in, a good fighter. And then I found out, man, you were a Navy SEAL. And ever since I was like, <gasps> when you hear that, I was, you know, at least for me, I was like, oh my god. And then I remember you had us come in. And you laid it all out. You had a certificate. I think to prove to everybody, yes, I'm a real Navy SEAL. And now I found you one of the fifth, first, one of the uh, 50 black Navy SEALs, right? Yeah, it was 32nd, weren't I'm you? 32nd, yep. Oh, yeah. dude, that to me, when you said that, I just would, I mean, I've already respected you. And you could have been, I don't care who you were. You were just a cool dude. I didn't give a shit what you did. But when you did that, I was like, oh, my God. Because you think, you like to think you have a good mental game and this and that. And then you meet you and you're like, wow. And you elevated that shit. And, man, that's why I wanted to have you on here because it was, to me, being a Navy, like, first of all, let's go back to, to the initial beginning, man. Yeah, is that yeah. you were born and raised in Indianapolis. Yep. Yeah. Where, like, where, what part of town? I was born in uh, just just north of downtown. Okay. Like 51st Michigan. So I went to North Central High School. So, okay. Yeah. Any sports? What did you do? What kind of sports did you do? Man, I, uh, I did football. They started me. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't think I was athletic, but they started me on football. I had no idea what I was doing. I wasn't paying no attention. Like, literally, bro, I got on the football team, um, and then uh, I ended up 
I didn't know what I was doing to the point where they handed me, they said, man, we're going to run this play, popcorn left, right, clown, three, four. I said, what? They said, man, just when you just run behind the quarterback. I said, all right. Ran behind the quarterback. They slammed the ball in my arms. I knew what that meant. I ran into the end zone for a touchdown. So I ended up starting, and long story short, uh, I remember I beat out, out on the field. I, I didn't. I have a football family. They were in the football and everything. And um, I was on the field, and I was playing corner, and the, the, the wide receiver went to the other side. And my, my homeboy had to look at me like, Biggs, Psst. I'm like, what, Biggs? He's like, quarterback is like, yeah, I'm going to throw it right to that dude right there. This motherfucker don't know what he's doing. <laughs> so I ended up jumping and getting an interception, and I didn't know what I was doing. I ran all my blockers. I woke up off the sideline. They, it was like a circle of people. My lips were blue. They was like, man, you was running scared, bro. They was like, you got knocked off the field. I, I had no idea what I was doing. So I had the talent, but I didn't really. I was more into martial arts than I was into uh, sports. How were you at that time? At that time? Um, man, that might have been that might have been freshman year. Yeah, so so I was about 14, 15. You didn't know what you were doing. You just knew you were a good athlete, and then you just did it because your family did it. Yeah, I, I just went after it, and then uh, I actually tried not to go out the next year, and the coach <laughs> called the house, and bet, yeah. his name was Coach Harris. He, yeah. he was a big-time player, and he talked like this. He said, he said, Miss Bigby, where's Ken? That's how he talked. Miss Bigby, uh, where's Ken? He, he needs to come back out this year. I was like, man, I'm trying to do this karate thing, man. I was <laughs> So, so you were a karate dude? Yeah, I was. Man, my family's like, "What the hell?" You know, brothers, that wasn't the thing. Now, now yeah. it's a big thing. Yeah. Back then, they were looking at my family like, "What the hell is that boy doing?" He don't know what he's doing, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I was trying to. I was in the dojo. I would walk to the dojo. Really? Yeah. My teacher was a gangster. He's from Korea. Really? I I would walk in the dojo in the snow like yeah. this. Yeah. Right. And then he would drive by me. And he stopped. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to the dojo. He said, okay. He would just keep driving. He didn't put me in the car. Nothing. <laughs> Dang, man. What got you into that, though, in martial arts? Oh, that's a good question. My dad was a guardian angel, so I don't know if people don't know, but guardian angels are the people that wear the red berets. Yes, in New York. Hold it down in the streets of New York, yeah. on the subway. Yeah. Wow. They don't care if you got knives or guns. They're just empty-handed. They've raided drug dealers' houses, went up in there, kicked their ass. Came out and then sold the drugs and then gave it back to the people. So they're kind of considered vigilante. So it got, the guy that started it, Curtis, brought it here. And my dad's the real daredevil. I'm, I'm not a badass. I'm scared of everything. I just don't like being scared of shit. So I'm just going to do it. My dad's just not scared of shit. So he'd be out on the streets and uh, he would come home with black eyes. Everybody in the neighborhood. I remember one time I asked my dad. <clears throat> I don't have COVID. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I remember I asked my dad the other day about this, BT. I, uh, my, the neighbor, who was a Harley driver, he yeah. a Harley dude, man. Yeah. Every morning he wake the whole neighborhood up, like, fuck y'all. Yeah. And uh, he calls, hey, man, somebody broke in the house, man. Come down here. So I remember being a little kid. My dad says, come on. We go down there. Your door is open. And he goes, man, I don't know if somebody's in there. My dad said, Okay. He pulls out this silver 357. I said, Dad, did you have a silver 357 with a wooden handle? He said, Yeah. He goes in there by himself. He looked at me and said, Wait here. In the Batman voice. I looked back. I said, Dad, why did you take me down there? Because you could have went in there and got murdered. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And your son's outside. You know what I mean? And he was like, I said, were you trying to teach me courage and how to be fearless? He was like, nah, I just didn't have anybody watching. So I was going to take him out and come. <laughs> he was a crazy motherfucker. So he would fight on the streets, come home with black eyes. So that's where I learned martial arts from. There they are. Yeah. Is your dad in that picture? 
Nah, man, nah. Oh, I remember seeing those guys on. Uh, yeah. I remember seeing those guys on, on Donahue back in the day yeah. before Oprah. And so your dad was in the Guardian Angels. Was your dad from New York? Nah, the dude Curtis brought it here. Okay, and then they started a chapter here, and okay. he just likes everything dangerous. So he just like fighting on the streets and all really? that. Yeah, my dad's crazy, <laughs> the motherfucker. He he, not even no big dude. He just crazy. He just likes to fight. I took him rappelling. He likes everything dangerous. My dad, my dad is who's that guy that uh. He, he, he's like got that Australian accent would mess with the animals. Oh, uh, 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 Steve Irwin. Man, he's the black Steve Irwin. <laughs> My dad, I can, I'm going to show you a picture, man. He catches snakes with his bare hands. Bop! Like, I'm like, what? This motherfucker's crazy. So, so you, had, you had to get that gene, yeah, right? Yeah. You had to get that gene. A little bit. I'm scared. I'll still do it. That's, that's the crazy part. Yeah. He's not scared. I took him rappelling. Yeah. We go up there, and every time I go rappelling, you got to lean back, right? Yeah. And I look at the dude. I say, hey, man, you got to, because there's human error. You uh -huh. can put the figure eight wrong. All the, I say, man, you got that right? It's, it's good? Yeah. I'm, man, check it one more time. It's good? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I lean back. So you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad, I said, okay. I went back and said, my dad got up there and said, all right, man. Whoo. <laughs> I said, damn, man. He's fearless, bro. So, yeah, he was a guardian angel, man. And that's, so uh, I didn't have a choice. He would walk through the store. And he would say, hey, man, I had my hands in my pockets. Right. And this is when he was in the Guardian Angels. He'd say, uh, he'd start doing like this. Start clapping. I said, what you clapping for? He goes, thank you for bowing. I said, what? He said, thank you for bowing. I said, what? Bop! He just hit me in my balls. And I said, Aah! he's like, keep your hands out your pockets. Be aware at all times. I'm like, damn, man. <laughs> How were you? How were you? I was like, four. He didn't give a damn. <laughs> this is a true story. Dad, where have you at? I'm putting you on, I'm putting you on blast, man. <laughs> so then we walked to the store, and I had my hands in my pockets. And he would, like, start off with bread. He'd just throw bread in there. I'm like, shit. <laughs> Boom. And then I walked. Then he started throwing shit like glass. <laughs> he would just throw it over. <laughs> Be aware at all times, motherfucker. I was like, God dang. He was crazy, bro. Yeah. Okay. So. That's how my martial arts career started, my dad. Yeah. <laughs> so so was martial arts your passion? When, I mean, did you ever, like, one of those kids that did all sports, but when you find martial arts, you're like, this is it. Actually, so my passion was to be like my dad. I admired my dad. Oh, that's so, awesome. So I, there's literally, it got put in the Indianapolis Star here. Um, I got my name changed so that I could be just like my dad. So I wanted to do everything he did. And he liked Bruce Lee. So he would sit there and watch Bruce Lee. He'd be like, watch this again. Look at the speed of his kicks. He was, he was like outraged. Like he was, uh, he was uh, obsessed. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, because I wanted to do that, that's where I fell in love with martial arts. And my father, he was born a diabetic. Okay. So he wasn't, he would have been the better neighbors. He would have blown me out the water. But I think I went and furthered and follow through on everything um, that that was his dream. As a kid, I wanted to be so much like my dad. So I think that's what embodied me to do everything that I wanted to do. Oh, because he was a good role model like that, huh? Yeah. Because yeah. there's something about, man, seeing your dad kick ass yeah. and yeah. just put it, go up in people's faces makes you go, I want to be. I, there's nothing better yeah. than a role model for any kid, for any kid, but especially, it, maybe just because I'm black, but African American kid. Oh, yeah. A dad yeah. that's there and dispels the myth. I mean, honestly, yeah. I never knew about that myth of the missing dad, you know, the stereotype, a stereotype of the missing black father. Yeah. I didn't know that because I right. grew up in a neighborhood where the dads were the dads right. and, and they put a foot up in your ass. Yeah. If you were messing up, then the neighbor would put up a foot up your right. ass and, and, and your dad would be like, hey, thanks. I appreciate it. Right. I got it from here. Right. So I, I love hearing that, man. Yeah, and yeah, that is beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so so you became, you got into karate or martial arts. What, what age? What age? Uh, at 14. Okay. So it, 
before that, it was just my father. And then at 14, I took uh, official martial arts classes. My mom was the one that was the advocate for that. Really? My dad was like, you need to get your attitude right. He, he, his attitude ain't right. He ain't doing no damn martial arts, you know. <laughs> so then my mom was like, he's, he's going to do it. So they was having them knockdown, drag out fights. Yeah. <laughs> Did the cops ever come to the house? No, nah, they didn't. Okay. Yeah, you, okay. know, you know, in the hood, they don't call the cops. They just handle it. You know. Okay. Well, no, my mom used to call the cops. This, oh, shit. Two cops came to the house. Huh? One cop talked to my I remember this vividly. Yeah. Mom called the cops. Both cops came to the house. And I remember this. Yeah. Cop comes in. One cop talks to my mom. She goes, I'm so mad at her. And she's crying. Yeah. And another cop talks to my dad. It was on a Sunday. I remember this. He came yeah. in. He goes, yeah. sir. And he goes, hey, who's winning the game? Dang. And it was it was the Dolphins. Yeah. And they were playing the Jets. Yeah. And, the, and they go, yeah, the Dolphins. He goes, I think they have a pretty good team this year. And they go, yeah, yeah you know what? Yeah. And they were talking. He goes, hey, sir, tell you what. Why don't you take a ride? And you'll cool off. Yeah. And that was, that was yeah. back in the day, man. Yeah. So that's I remember that shit. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. We yeah, my, parents. yeah so that my dad. I'll tell you a funny story. There was a school bully. Yeah. And he was bullying everybody. He took the kid's head. Kid was at the water fountain, bounced it off that little, you know, that little metal piece. Yeah. Gashed his head open. Hello. How are you? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like me. <laughs> hey, what you think? Come on, boy. I'm trying to be like you when I grow up. I told you that a million times. So uh, so then um he started messing with me, my dad. So I came home one day and I was real upset. But I didn't, you know, I'm, I ain't no rat. You right. Know, I'm not going to say nothing. So finally, my parents said, what's wrong? I said, man, this kid keep messing with me, but I ain't trying to get in trouble. My dad said, what? He said, come here. He made me practice this one punch all night long. He just kept making, yeah, you hit him like this. I'm like, do I got to do the head like that? Like, he's like, yeah. I said, okay. So he said, <laughs> he said, you give him three chances, bro. I said, huh? Said three chances. So the first time you let them know. Second time, third time you go in and you go hard, or you go home, and I'm gonna whoop your ass when you come home. I said, okay, all right. So the dude cut in front of me in line. So this bitch just been my rule in life, dude. Cut. I said, hey man, excuse me. You got in front of me, bro. He said, yeah. So what, motherfucker? I said, I said, all right. I said, I'm just saying. Second time, bro. You in my spot. He said, what you going to do, motherfucker? <laughs> ha! I hit that motherfucker. He folded up. Took me to the principal. They went and talked to the principal. They said, listen, my dad said, look, my man's going to fold dude up. <laughs> principal said, good. Now, we're going to have to go through the procedures and shit, but good. So I went to the principal's office. We came out. My dad said, what happened? I said, man, I, I, I said what I said. And the third time, I, I folded him up. He was like, my man. So <laughs> that was my dad, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's go. So when did, when did the military start? Was it after high school? Did you? Yeah. So uh, so obviously you know. So we're here. I didn't used to really talk about it. So I was trying to. I was doing martial arts, and then um, man, I I people ask me why, why I want to be a Navy SEAL. Well, one of the reasons was that I wanted to do the toughest thing in the world, and the reason why I wanted to do that was to discover if I was willing to pay the ultimate price for what I believed in and who I believed in. I just need to know that within myself. Wow. And what, what, and what was, uh, like, what did you believe, though? What was your beliefs? Uh, just for me, uh, any, any of my beliefs, friends, family, you know, would I be willing to die for that? People say it. You know, you see people in MMA, you'll have to kill me in the ring. <laughs> and then the boy get touched. He's like, okay, <laughs> bro, what, what happened, bro? <laughs> so I needed to, I needed to know if I really had that, you feel me? Right, right, right. So, um, 
And then I, I looked up all the units that were the toughest units on the planet. And uh, some of the units, they have like a, a 30 to 50% casualty rate before you even hit the ground. Like, okay, we're going to put 100 men out there. We'll lose 50 before they hit the ground. And the, the, the other 50 will go in and finish the, uh, the target. I was like, nope, I'm not joining that group. I'm cool <laughs> on that. So then I heard about the Navy SEALs. It was the, the, the toughest training in the world. And they always plan for everybody to come home. I like their plan. So I said, uh, I want to I test my mettle and see if I'm really willing to put it all on the line for what I believe in and who I believe in. Wow. Now, were you, were you like in a reg- regular branch of the military before you joined the SEAL? Or? No, I, uh, that's, a, that's a funny story. So I'll try to sum it up pretty quick. I, uh, I, I found out about the SEALs, and then I went to the recruiter, and I went through the process to join. Right. And then they were like, man, this guy's like, this dude's fit. He's ready to go. And then I got there, and my eyesight, you have to have a certain uh, eyesight requirement. You can't have outside 2040. Well, one of my eyes was outside of that. So they're like, you're, you're a no-go. I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, you're a no-go. Can't do it. I was like, all right. So I told my family, uh, I'm quitting everything I'm doing, and I'm going to go out there to San Diego. I'm going to find a way to get in the SEAL teams. So my family was like, ah, you shouldn't do that, man. What the hell are you doing, man? So I went to my grandfather. I, I was with my boy Slick. He's the, uh, the producer of Love and Hip Hop. Okay, okay. Yeah. So he wanted to go to L.A. to be famous. I was trying to go there to be a Navy SEAL. I said, man, I'm going to L.A. He said, all right. I said, we need to get a vehicle. He said, yeah. I said, all right. So we're trying to get vehicles. Can't make nothing happen. Finally, he goes, man, I found a vehicle. I said, okay. He got it from the, the pastor at a church. We got in the van. We said, the van like, yeah, we, we driving. I say, man. He said, yeah, we was just like this. He was driving. I say, man. He said, yeah. I said, what's that? He said, what? He said, man, uh, I said, them lines. He said, well, that's the road. I said, man, the floorboard's missing in this motherfucker. We're not going to make it to Cali. We got to go to Cali, man. You know what I'm saying? So finally, my family, <laughs> this is a true story. So we figured, they figured I was kind of serious because I bought a ticket. Yeah. I bought a bus ticket. I said, I can't find a car. So I'm gonna, I, got, I put a backpack with a blanket. I was like, I'll just sleep on the beach. I heard about Venice Beach. I was like, I'm going to just land there. At Venice Beach, I'll figure it out. I'll sleep on a motherfucking beach. They said, damn, this motherfucker kind of serious. We thought he was playing. I said, so my grandfather said, hey, man, I'm going to let you borrow my van. I said, cool. Long story short, um, he says, uh, now listen, don't quit your jobs. Try to just put them on hold, go out there for a little bit. I looked at him. My grandfather had a scholarship. He used to clean the house for Eli Lilly. He went in the back. Clean the house and went out the back. It was those times back in the Wow. Days. So he said, uh, and he had a full scholarship for singing. He had a full ride and he didn't take it. Why is so, that? Why? Just the times. He, he chose to just be, you know, a family man, which is great. Right, right, but right. But he skipped that opportunity at a time where African Americans didn't get those opportunities. Right. You know what I'm saying? And he said, now, he said, now, Kenny, don't, don't, he sounded like Obama. He's like, now, Kenny, um, first things first. He had these long, dramatic pauses. Keep your jobs prioritize and win the day i was like all right he's like listen in real life he's like don't quit your jobs keep all that in order i looked at him i said granddad i said yeah i said if i do everything you did then i'm gonna end up in that chair that you're sitting there right now at your point in your life i said do you want me to sit in that chair that you're sitting in and he goes here's the keys Wow. So he realized that he didn't make certain sacrifices and take risks. And then um, my father asked me, he said, hey, man, what's your plan B? Everybody, nobody thought I was going to become a Navy SEAL. Yeah. He said, what's your plan B? I was about 18, 19 at the time. I looked at him. I said, Dad. He said, yeah. I said, if you have a plan B for something like this, you've already failed. 
And I was saying shit like that, and they would just shut up. They're like, well, damn. You know what I mean? Right. So I went out there. Um, we drove out there. We were homeless in L.A. for how, about how long? Um, six months. Holy moly. What, what did you do for money? Like, how did you? Oh, that's, a, that's a good question. So we, we literally, I drove. So it's, a 30, it's 32 hours. I done did that trip so much. Me and Slick drove. I drove 28 of the 32 hours. <laughs> Slick, one of them motherfuckers that fall asleep as soon as you start driving. We, this motherfucker just... <laughs> 12 hours later, I pull over for gas. You want me to drive? <laughs> uh, no, nah, I'm good. Eh. Bro, I was motivated. So he drove the last four hours from Vegas to Los Angeles. I was, Man, we made it. Yeah, you didn't do shit, bro. Calm down. So <laughs> we, pull, we pull up there. I calculated the mileage. We only had enough gas just to get there. Saved up enough money. Oh. And the last thing my boss said to me was, You'll never make it. Right when I left my job, he's like, you'll never make it. Like, that's all everybody was saying to me. So we pull up there, and we stop, and he's like, I'm like, well, what do we do now? I'm like, he asked me that. He says, what, what do we do now? I go, shit, I don't know. We was broke for money. So we try to go get jobs at McDonald's. At that time, this was before, what's up? This was before uh, uh, the Hispanic population had really moved in the U.S., but it was down there in San Diego. Oh, okay, okay. So we went to go get a job, and they're like, are you bo- uh, bilingual? we like, no. Nah. They're like, you can't work here. We couldn't get no jobs. So what we would do was one day, bro, these are crazy stories. So one day, man, we sitting there, we had $7 to our name. I said, man, uh, I got to wait for us to eat. And we had met this other homeless dude that was trying to be famous. He said, they said, yeah. I said, there's a place called Vons out there. So we went out there. I said, man, just go through the store. This is how we survived, bro. I said, buy all the Tupperware, uh, grab Tupperware throughout the, the, the store. So we were so used to being broke and homeless, bro. We would walk. This is how you do when you're homeless. You just grab a Snickers and eat it like you own it. Just while you're walking through the store. And you just grab some meat. And just eat it like you own it. We just walk through the store and eat, bro. You just grab the food. We got the Tupperware. They said, so what's the Tupperware for? So there was an all-you-can-eat spot called Shakey's. Yes, Shakey's Pizza. Come on, oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. Come on, yes. boy. In Culver City. Come on, boy. Oh. So we pulled up to Shakey's. They said, what's the plan, man? So me and Slick used to do hip-hop and dance here and stuff. Right. So we had matching outfits for the dance crew, man, matching backpacks. For oh, shit, like a world-class record crew? Yeah, like, ah, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I'm just locking. Ah, my back. Yeah, you know. So we... um. I said, so he went in. I gave him the plan. He goes in, and we were parked by the window. We found a seat by the window <laughs> in the van. We sitting out there in the van. He goes in, man. He had all that Tupperware we bought at Vons in the bag. And he would go up and pile this big ass. You know, brothers like chicken. He put on this big ass plate of chicken. And then he would go back to his seat, and he would eat a, he'd be munching a little bit. And he'd be like, when there wasn't nobody looking, he'd be like, boom, and dump the whole thing in the Tupperware. Then he would go back up, and man, the people kept coming out like, why we got to keep refilling this damn chicken and macaroni? Like, it was gone every 30 seconds. So we filled up the Tupperware with the shit. This is how we ate for weeks off this $7, bro. I had this brilliant idea. So then he goes, and um, he, so we had matching outfits, so he would, go, he would look at me and put his thumb up. They was literally back there like that. He would look at me when he had all the Tupperware full, and he'd do like that. I would get out the van. I would go in the van and we would trade out because we look so similar. Yeah. And then I would go in <laughs> and then I would do the same thing. We filled up two backpacks. And the way we warmed our food up, bro, is on the dashboard because LA's so hot. Yeah. We'll put the shit on the dashboard and let it warm up. And then that's how we heat, heated our food up. Oh my gosh. 
And the other way that we survived, man, is one day uh, we were we were starving. We couldn't get no work. I was like, I got it. He was like, you got another idea? I said, I got it. So we were on Venice Beach. So I had seen these people perform, and I said, I'll go digging through the trash. And he said, man, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, hold on, bro. I got this shit. Dig through the trash can. I came up with a shoebox. He like, fuck is this? I was like, trust me. So what we would do is go out to Venice Beach. I went and bought some chalk from like the dollar store, draw a chalk line, and we had a mixtape that we brought with us, DJ Top Speed. Okay, no. DJ Top Speed, <laughs> right? He, he major. DJ, he bad. Yeah. So he, they had a mural him right up off uh, Mass Ave. They got a mural. That's how bad a, bad wow, a dude he is. okay. Yeah, DJ okay. Top Speed's a bad boy. Okay. So he had made this mixtape. That's him. Yeah, yeah, that's speed. There okay. you go. See what the can go. Okay. Oh, okay. See him. Okay. Bro, he tall as hell. He showed me my first breakdance move. Nice. Hey, man, that boy can hit, bro. He can get down. Don't okay. let him fool you. Okay. So speed had make this mixtape. And uh, so what we did is we took the radio out there and we'll start dancing. Boom, boom. We out there. And I watched the people on Venice. I hit the tape. Like, so you you keep dancing until a crowd draws around. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then at the very end, you say, you want to see the rest of the show, you got to put a dollar in the box. So then all those people would put a dollar in the box, and then me and Slick would do acrobatic stuff, like flip off each other's backs. So blah, blah, we start flipping, and bam, 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 bam. You do that two or three times. So the crowd would be 30, 30 people a time. So imagine you do that show 10 times, you made $300. In oh, my God. You hustle, bro. Bro. Oh my God! And then we ended up being. Then we would be extras on TV shows. So we ended up on a Roseanne Bar TV show. No, yeah, way. we ended up on all kind of crazy TV shows being extras. How'd, yeah. y'all, how'd y'all take a bath? Like how'd y'all clean up? Man, you really want to know that story? <laughs> so, bro, jumping the ocean. Yeah. So we drove. We drove, bro, and I, we got there. We had washed for like three days because we never thought about all this, right? So I had a bowl to eat cereal out of, and I had some distilled water. We took slick went in to go do something. And he came back out. Man, I was just ass naked in the back of the motherfucker. <laughs> Motherfuckers was walking. I was like on the street like this. It was people walking by. I'm like, hey, man, fuck it. I'm, I got to watch these balls, bro. Huevos. What'd you say? Huevos. Huevos. El grande. Grande. <laughs> Muchos grande. Yeah, I was just balls naked like, fuck it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, so how'd you go from there to, 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 to being the SEAL? How'd you go from doing that to being a SEAL? So I ended up, uh, I would try to go down to San Diego all the time, and I kept missing the recruiters. And that's good, because if I had seen it, I wouldn't have did the shit, BT. I'm like, what the hell is this crazy? So really? I kept missing them, okay. and then I, was, I didn't have enough money. So I ended up getting a scholarship for dance under Lula Washington. And that's where you danced at the Getty Museum, right? At the Getty. I opened in the billion-dollar Getty Museum. You opened it. Yeah. You opened opened the the Getty Museum. I opened the show at the Getty, yeah, for for Lula. And Lula choreographed for the movie Avatar. Wow. So all that, where they were dancing in that scene underneath the tree, Lula choreographed that. So she does a lot of Disney choreography. So she gave me a full scholarship. So I had several dance scholarships in my life. Okay. Um, so I danced at Butler for six months, Butler College for six months. Okay. Off a scholarship, and I was offered a scholarship to IU. Okay. So, um, and I don't talk about all that soft shit. So <laughs> that's enough for that. <laughs> so I ended up, I, I ended up, <laughs> but that's like you. So I'm at, I'm at, I'm at this dude's show. I'm at your show, and you like, 
Yeah, that's my man. He in the crowd. It was Navy SEAL. It a mudslide? <laughs> Navy SEALs don't drink mudslides. He was drinking a mudslide. Kenny, <laughs> is that my show? I'm thinking this is the baddest dude ever. And he's drinking a mudslide. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm expecting like a straight alcohol, straight yeah, tequila yeah, bottle. Yeah, you know, talking yeah, about the old days yeah, and going in Iraq. And he's, yeah. he's drinking a mudslide. Yeah. Because it's delicious. He's like, a mudslide. I'm like, dude, BT, stop it. Stop. He wouldn't stop. He, he marked me. Yeah. So, yeah, man, um, I ended up getting that scholarship. And then I was waiting outside and Slick was trying to audition. I ended up being on Dating Game and Change of Heart. And I was on the show with Usher. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. What, what, years, what years was this? Man, I, that might have been around 98, 90, 98. Did you do, did you do, uh, 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 what's that, the dating show, the, uh, uh, with the little uh, pop-up things, uh, Blind Date. Did you ever do Blind Date? Nah, I did, no. Nah. Okay. I okay. did, I did Dating Game and Change Your Heart. Okay. And that was wild, man. Yeah, okay. that, those were some wild experiences. Uh, so I ended up getting enough money to come home, and that's a whole other story for another time. There's some funny stuff there, but I ended up driving home, and my, my man had a dream, so he drove back with me. And he needed a car. He didn't have a car. I said, hey, man, take the car. He said, what you mean? I said, where I'm going, I don't need that. So I gave him the car, went back to the military. They said, you got that SEAL stuff out of your blood. I said, nah, bro, sign me up. It was, it was literally, as an African-American, um, for, in the SEAL teams, you have a 70% attrition rate. So just anybody going in, you have a 30% chance um, of making it. As an African-American, you have a 2% chance. Why is that? That's just the odds, the stats. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So if 100 people go in as an African-American, and literally in my class, it was like me and David Goggins that you asked about. So there was two out of 100. Like, you know what I'm saying? Wow. And then um, so I had a 0% chance because my eyesight didn't meet the requirements. So I signed up. I was like, sign me up. So I signed up. I went in there. I earned all these awards. I, had, I got accelerated advancement. And I was doing really good. I probably advanced in... Two years, what took about five years. I went to IT school. Um, I was doing really good in IT school, and then something crazy happened. This dude kept putting his hands on me through the whole thing, and I was trying to make good grades. Same thing like way back in school. Right, so right, then right. I thought about my daddy three times, motherfucker, <laughs> and then you fold his ass up. <laughs> so this motherfucker kept touching me, bro. Like, like He was like the class bully. He kept fucking with me. So I ended up making... Um, what they called the accelerated advancement. So okay. I, I did the best in the class, and I was helping the teacher teach. So one day I was back there doing push-ups, and they all knew I was trying to get ready for the SEAL teams. So I'm doing push-ups. This dude's like, he's like, you sound like a bitch. I was right by his desk. You remember those desks that were attached to the yes. tabletop? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was like on 89, 90. He said, you sound like a bitch. I said, oh, whatever. And I was ignoring him. He said, you sound like a hoe. I'm like, okay. Then he did the thing you don't do to brothers. He said, you sound like your mother when I fucked her last night. He said that. Oh. He said this to me, bro. Okay. So I stopped. I looked at him. I said, man, why don't you shut up before I fuck you up? He goes, well, why don't you show? And I saw the vision in my head, BT, before I did it. I just didn't think I was going to do it. I slid over and grabbed the legs of the desk, and I just stood up and threw the dude. Boom, he landed on his head. He was knocked out. Anyway, long story short, <laughs> I ended up getting in trouble for that. <laughs> So, man, what happened was I had no orders. Every time I would go to try to see um, if I – so the, the, the SEAL trainer at the time, he saw my work ethic. So at that time, LASIK started getting developed. Yes, okay, okay. So there were two people a year that could, that could get a waiver to go do SEAL training because they didn't know the long-term studies. Well, this guy put me in for one of those two people, and the waiver had to go all the way up the chain of command and come all the way back down. 
Um, and every time I go to the host, uh, the the medic, I'd say, hey, man, is the waiver back in? He'd be like, bro, you're not going to fucking be a Navy SEAL. He'd be like, if you fucking come back here again, I'm going to make sure you're not a fucking Navy SEAL. This is the shit that happened every day. They were hating on me. And I was like, I'm just trying to be in the, what's his problem, you know? Yeah. He's like, don't come back here again, bro. I'll make sure you're not a Navy SEAL like he's going to fuck with my records or something. So finally, man... Um, I went back in on the, and then my, my time at IT school, you'll have to go to the regular Navy. I'm not built for that shit. Yeah. Me and you two hyper for that shit. <laughs> I can be on no boat with no, I, no I dudes. Ca- I call them floating Alcatraz. I can't be on that motherfucker. Like, I'm going to go, because I had a, a three pronged plan to get out the Navy if I went to the regular Navy. Yeah. The first one, if you keep pissing in the bed, they don't let you stay in the Navy. <laughs> so I was just going to drink a gallon of water and piss on myself every night. Psst, like, get me out of this motherfucker. The next one, I was like, all right. If you keep going man overboard, I was going to keep just jumping off the shit. <laughs> man overboard. I'm like, I'm a piss in the bed. I'm going to jump. I'm not going to the regular Navy. I'm going to be a Navy sealer. It's nothing, right? So then the third one, I'm like, if that don't work, I'm going to get some weed. I'm going to blow it in the captain's <laughs> face, and I'm going to get a dishonorable discharge. I just didn't give a damn. I was like, I got to make it. So I, I go in there, and my orders were up for IT school. The reason why I tell you that is because when your orders are up, they got to send you somewhere. Right. So I had to hide in the Navy for three months with no orders. So what happened was when I threw the dude on his head, they, I was the honor graduate, and I got in trouble, and I went and sat on the steps. And this lady's like, shit, mate, I know you're not sitting on the steps. I said, man, I said, I said, Chief, it was a female chief, a sister too. I said, Chief, respectfully request. That's how you're talking. I said, respectfully request. I don't want to hear that. All I want to hear is right of that. Why are you sitting on my steps? Get up. So my boy Mo from New York came through. He said, he said, he said, he said yo, Biggs, come on, let's go, man. Let's get out of here, man. It's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. I said, I said, so I had a toothpick. You're not allowed to have toothpicks. Yeah. I, I did all I just So I'm like sitting there with my toothpick. She's like, get off the steps. I was like, Chief, respectfully, because I was heated. Yes. You're throwing dude. Yeah, you finally, just, yeah. So I need to chill out. Right? She wouldn't leave me the fuck alone. I was like, fuck it. So then I just, she said, if you don't leave, she looked at my boy from here. She said, if you don't leave, you're going to be in trouble too. He said, Biggs, let's go. I said, Mo. I said, get the fuck out of here. It's going to be a long-ass day. Mo just left. He, he left. My teacher said, if you guys get in trouble, the IT teacher said, I'm not going to back you up. Just, I'm just letting you know. I'm not going to mess up my career for you. So they take me in this room with all these officers and chiefs, and they're standing in my face. And she's like, what's your problem, problem? So I, I said, chief, respect, military baron, chief, respectfully request. I don't wanna, all I want to hear is roger that, roger that. So finally, I quit talking. Here's what I did, BT. You know how you can hold your eyes open and they start watering? Mm-hmm. And then it burns real bad, but then after that you can just keep them open? I just stood there like that with my eyes. I didn't blink for like 20 minutes, bro. My eyes watered, and then it don't hurt no more. It hurt real bad. So I stood there, and then finally I, I just quit responding. So after about 15 minutes of them spitting in my face and shit, I was fucking looked like I had a shower. She goes, if you don't say Roger that to me, I'm going to bust you 50-50. That means half your rank and pay. So I just stood there. So she said, all right. Roger that. And she walked out the door. As she went out the door, I said, Roger that, Chief. Roger that, Chief. Roger that, Chief. <laughs> bro, they took, they bust me down, bro. They took half my rank and pay. I said, damn. So this lieutenant brought me in. She says, hey. She says, this isn't you. I'm looking at your record. You got all these awards. What, what happened? I said, man, that dude was putting his hands on me for three months. He was a class bully. I checked his ass after he, he, he did too much. You know what I'm saying? So what she did, she said, look. I'm going to restore all your stuff, but you got to go to these little anger management classes <laughs> to compensate for the chief. I got to save face for her. Man, I walked in there. There was this dude. I remember he had, like, them droplets in his eye. He had these blue blockers on, and he was like, bro, these motherfuckers was crazy. He walked in. He said, 
He said, sometimes. They said, they said, Bobby, how do you feel? He said, sometimes my wife puts her socks in the middle of the living room. And I just want to choke her up. I said, what the fuck? Is, I don't need to be in here with these. This dude really said some shit like that. I was like, God. So, but it turned out to be a good fortune. Because when my orders were up, they were trying to send me to a ship. I'm not going to float Alcatraz. So they was so the IT department, they, it's called EMI, where you swab the deck, you polish brass, right? So they like, hey man, you need to be over here swabbing the deck. Bro, I'm not built for this shit. BT, I'm too ADD, right? right? So they would ask, hey, where were you at? I was like, man, I was training with the SEALs. Then the, the SEALs were like, where were you at? I was like, man, I was at Anger Management. Man, I hid for three months in the system, bro. And all I would do is wake up and work out every day. And I just kept dodging the bullet. Finally, I go in on the last day. I say, man, I'm going to check on the waiver. I literally wrote down. I said a prayer to God. I say, hey, man, it's the last time I'm going here to check. If I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. It's out of my hands. It's over with. I give, I'm, it's done. So I walk in there. I say, hey, man. They go, what's the name? Because they're used to seeing my face at medical. He goes, what's the name? I said, Kenny Bigby. He goes, Bigby? I said, yeah. He's like, hold on. So he went back there. I was one of two to receive the waiver with LASIK to actually get the, to go to SEAL training. So that was the process that I got. Oh, this. my. Yeah. I mean, how did you feel when you find out that? Did, did you kind of feel it when he goes, Big B, when he did that, did you kind of like, yeah. oh, this is it? I was like, I was like what the fuck? Because <laughs> every day I come in, they'd be, like, they be like, man, don't fucking come back here. They were tripping on me. Right? So I came, they're like, what's the fucking name, bro? I'm like, Big B. You know, by the way, the Hispanics, bro, they thought, because your hair is shaved, they thought I was Hispanic. <laughs> so they'd become, they'd be like, they'd be like, orale, homes, Rodriguez. I'd be like, what? They'd be like, you, they would literally ask me this. They'd be like, you're not one of us? That's what they would say. They're like, you're not one of us? I'm like, nah, I'm black. They're like, you black? You black? <laughs> yeah. Then they said, what's your name? Big B? They said, that's your real name? I said, yeah. they like, that's a cool, that's not a nickname? I said, nah, that's a cool ass name, bro. They would give me extra food. This would be at the galley where we eat. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. So anyway, I because <clears throat> of my last name. So I walked there, and they say, What's the fucking name? Like, you don't remember Big B, right? right? So when he said that, it was Thanksgiving weekend. So I was going home on leave. So, you know, you, you don't get to see your family that much. So I, I actually got to go home on Thanksgiving weekend, and that was the weekend that I got the, the pass. I was like, I went and told my family, and they are like, wow. Oh, my yeah. gosh, dude, cool. that's yeah. beautiful. Okay, so now you're in the SEALs. Okay, yeah. it, it, the training as hard as they say it is. Yeah, it's wild, bro. It's wild. Was there ever a time that you felt like I might not, uh, I might not? I mean, did it ever get to the point where you go, I don't know if I can do this shit? Oh, yeah, all the time. So, what I tell people, and, and Goggins, I didn't know how similar David Goggins and I were. What's up? What's up? Um, what I tell people is, I say, have you ever tried something? You thought you wanted to do something, and then you, it gets really fucking hard. Basically, I say the return on investment ain't what you're putting into it. Right. And then your brain goes like this. Why in the hell am I doing this shit? Right. Everybody's had that moment, right? Like, right. Why the hell did I, why am I doing this? Yeah. If you don't have an answer for that question, then you're going to quit. So my mind and my body quit. The motivation stopped. But my why, my why was, was giving everything to to what I believed in and who I believed in. So wow. when I, I remember one time we were running with the boats 
And the berms were 20 feet high because it was a storm called El Nino at the time yes. out there. Yeah, I got yeah. caught up in El Nino. Yeah. You remember? So, yes. yeah. yeah. Them, them waves were big. So, we were running. So, the berms had to be so high so the, the water wouldn't flood in. So, we were running over these 20-foot berms and it's soft sand, you know. And we carry these boats. And these boats are like 200 pounds. And every day, you run about... You might run on average 10 miles and do 300 push-ups every day in the SEAL team. So we're running to chow with these damn boats, and it's a mile there and back to go just to go eat every day. Oh, okay. So we running, and they're making us run over the berm like a snake is what they call it, right? So we're running, and then I just remember my body was like, bro, I'm done. Yeah. Any common sense motherfucker be like, this is stupid. Right. Fuck I'm doing here. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I was like, I'm done. I was yeah. like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. And my feet kept moving. My grips were burned out. My leg is like I couldn't move my feet anymore. And I couldn't hold the boat. You know, you lifting weights on the grip. Right. Yeah. My hands were doing that. And I was like, I'm done, bro. My body physically couldn't do it. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to just stop. My body kept moving. I'm like, fuck. Hey, bro, do you hear me? We done, bro. Yeah. We done. So my why, your why propels you. It pulls you. Motivation won't work. The what, the how, that won't work. You got to have your actual why, and it's usually not what you think. Um, so that that why propelled me. I was ready. I was ready. To, my body quit all the time. My so, brain quit all the time because it don't make sense. So your why was what you believed in, and that's what pushed you and, through. And who I believed in. And what I, what I, I needed to know within myself, would I be willing to give my life for what I believed in and who I believed in? And when I was ready to quit, that, that image of them popping up, man, so I found out that, if I was pushed to the limit, that I would keep going. My yeah. God, that's what I love, man. Yeah, I, sure. man, and also I remember this, and I, I remember I asked you that, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I remember, and this is, and I, I wanted to do it on stage, and I was like, debating whether to do it on stage. But I remember I go, I mean, how did you get through the toughest training? And, oh yeah. And you said you got to focus on, and you, and you mentioned why, but you got to focus on something that you that you look forward to getting to, that yeah. you get for. And I go, what did you look forward to? You go. <laughs> KFC had this big bucket of chicken. <laughs> he goes, I love KFC yeah. and a big bucket of chicken. And I was just thinking about that big bucket. Of, and I go, I can't go yeah. on stage saying how one of the 50 black Navy SEALs who got into training was a big bucket of KFC. <laughs> but you did. <laughs> you did do that on stage. So the next comedy show I go to, he calls me out about my bucket of chicken. <laughs> but that's the truth. Yeah. You're the black man in the Navy SEAL. What did you do? A big-ass bucket of chicken. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I completed in my training. Life. Yeah, you got you to gotta put your mind... So we say it in the in the, the SEAL teams when we do missions we plan them backwards. So we plan, and that's what I was speaking to earlier. We plan on everybody making it home successfully, having completed the mission. Other people plan the mission with thirty to fifty percent casualties. We yeah. plan it backwards, totally successful, and then we walk it all the way back to us planning the mission. Wow. So what I'm saying is, you have to see the end. W- where you're at now. You see what I'm saying? So I call it programming your GPS. So what does that mean? When you program a GPS, you program the destination you're going to. Right. And even though you're here now. So your, your mind and your body have to project and, and believe that this is the destination. And then it's, it's called a reticular activating system. There's, a, there's, a, there's something in your brain that will point out for instance, like, um, so this is a test we can do. So look around the room right now and notice the color white. Okay. Yeah. And without closing your eyes, don't cheat. Okay. Don't notice white. Look around the room. Look around the room. You see white? Yeah. You cannot see it. So your mind, your subconscious mind is primed. So what happens is once you put a goal, like a GPS, you program that into your mind, your subconscious is constantly finding the path and the way to get there. 
even though you're consciously not doing it. So the clearer and more focused that that goal is when you program your GPS. So when you put it the, the, the coordinates in the GPS, there's obstacles in the way. Right. I remember you saying this. I remember you saying that. Yeah. I remember you saying, okay, if you want to uh, walk across the room, okay. You walk, but if you go, my goal my go- is to walk across the room, you'll, for some reason, you'll have obstacles to yep. get you there. Yeah. As soon as you, as soon as you set a goal and it, uh, the fake motivational, that's what I'm saying. Motivation is not enough. Hey man, you can do anything. Did nobody talk about all the obstacles that pop up? Right. So as soon as you set a goal, you notice the distance and the obstacles between. And that's where a lot of people quit right there. Like, damn, I want... I want to have a nice body. Well, damn, I got to work out seven times a week and I got my schedule. And then, oh, fuck it. See what yeah. I'm saying? Yes. So when you program the GPS, when you prime your subconscious by being very clear about that, that end game or that goal or that empowering thing, your why, right? What happens is just like the GPS, if there's a roadblock or a problem, it reroutes. And that's what your subconscious does. So once you prime your subconscious mind, that bucket of chicken or whatever it may be, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm, when I get done with this surf torture, freezing in the cold, I'm going to get that. All I kept, my GPS was focused on that. It was a gray blanket and that bucket of chicken. Yes. So it just kept, well, here goes another obstacle. Now we got to do 500 push-ups, but I'm going to get that bucket. It just kept navigating. So what happens is you program your GPS and it will go over, under, around, and through and get you to your end game. And that happens subconsciously without you. So it's like when you, you get a, uh, you, you say, I want a red Ferrari. Or you like motorcycles. Yes. I want this. What, what's your favorite motorcycle? A, a, a Ducati, man. A Ducati, yeah. yeah. All day, all day. Yeah. So you got the, you had the hoodie on it. It's on the hat. Yeah, there it yeah. is, yeah. All day, So you, get the, you say, I want this red Ducati, right? Okay. And what's your favorite color? What, what color? Red. 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 So, there it is. So you want this red Ducati. All of a sudden, you see it on TV. You see it in the magazine. You see it in the commercial. Yes. That's your reticular activating system. Because you primed your subconscious mind that this thing's of high value, now it starts pulling out of the environment every way possible that you can attain that. Wow. It's not even conscious. You'll dream about it. You'll, so you have to know how to use. What I did was learned how to use the tools to get me through SEAL training, and then I, I applied them to SEAL training. Wow, that is incredible. Oh, now, now, what it, now, what happens to people who lose track of that goal? Like, say, like you say, the goal is to... Uh, uh, say, say to be a professional football player or whatever and, and sometimes you know things happen along the way say your yeah. girlfriend gets pregnant or something yeah. like that and you yeah. go I gotta give up on the dream yeah. Yeah. but yeah. you really don't but it's still back there what do you do when it comes to that when you lose focus yeah so what people do is they don't actually know their and it's, it's so um, uh, man it's kind of been played out but I call it the five whys. They don't actually, they know the what and the why. So I was giving this corporate speech for this really big corporation. There was over 250 fiduciaries, financial advisors, and I call it the five whys. So we'll try it right now. So, for instance, um, a Bucati. So why do you like a Bucati? A Bugatti? A Bugatti, yeah. Bugatti. Bugatti. Oh, it's fast. It's, it's okay. fast. It's luxurious. Okay. Expensive. Okay. So why do you want it since it's fast? Expensive, why? Status. 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 Okay. So why do you want status? I, for myself. To give, to give me status. To give me, uh, yeah, to give me status. Why? Ah, nah, <laughs> you ah. motherfucker. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. You see, see how you get stuck? Yes. So what, 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 what happens here is people don't understand the anatomy of the human body. So people always say, right, you got two hard choices, right? They right. say what? Follow your what? Dreams. Follow your dream, follow your heart, right. right? Okay. They say, man, this guy, he keeps going in spite of all the hardships. You say, that guy's got what? Heart. Heart. Right. 
So you ask, man, what happens when there's all these obstacles and problems and, and then people lose focus? Yes. Okay. So what happens is in your, in your mind, we think the, in the West, the mind is the primary tool. The intelligence of the mind is the primary tool. But if you look at ancient cultures in meditation, they'll do meditation, put their hands on the heart. Yes. Okay. Why do they do that? Because there's another tool that we don't actualize, but you hear it in the colloquialisms of our speech. Follow your heart. When that person get, keeps pushing through obstacles and with all reason, he didn't quit. He's got heart because the brain's job is self-preservation. So if you're putting out two, so say you got 100 calories okay. and you running and you're going to reach, all you got is 100 calories in your body and you get to 99 calories, your brain going to say, we need to stop right now. Right? You start to feel that pain. Like when you work out, you start to feel that burn. He's right. hey, man, I need to take a break. Woo. Yeah. Okay. Then there's that person that had 100 calories and then motherfucker just keep going. You're like, man, that motherfucker got hard. How do you keep going? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Because the brain is designed for self-preservation. Its job is to keep you from getting hurt. So within reason, you're going through SEAL training or you have an obstacle. You go, man, I'm doing all this crazy shit and it just keeps getting worse. I need to check out. Yeah. That's the brain's job. Right. So what happens is you can't use the brain to push through. That's, that's motivation. Right. That's an intellect. So what you have in your heart is called sensory neurites. Okay. So there, the brain has neurons, right? In your heart, there's something called sensory neurites. So there's intelligence. There's literal intelligence in the heart. And it communicates with the brain via the vagal reaction and the vagal nerve. So that is what syncopates your mind and your organs, your breathing. That's why if you get stressed out, yeah. you start breathing like that. You see right. a hot girl, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. Vice versa. Yeah. If you breathe like that, <laughs> then your brain say, oh, man, we were excited. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> so the evidence of this is that blind people, they make angry faces. They've never seen an angry face. See what I'm saying? Right. So everybody around the world, what's this mean? What's this mean? This this body language right here. Touchdown. Touchdown. Yeah. This is a sign for celebration. You go to church, it's praise. It's good shit. Yeah. Something good happened. Right. That's what why they do that in China across the world. If you win something, race car driver, he win. Wham! Yeah. Motorcycle driver. Yeah. Wham! Football. Yeah. Touchdown. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hot chick. Yeah. Touchdown. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you feel me? Yeah. So why is that universal? Because your mind and body are linked. Now this sounds all esoteric, but there's a there's a uh what what they call a vagal nerve which syncopates that. And that's why blind people, when they're upset, they make angry faces. If you sit there and make an angry face, so let's do it right now. I'm going to run a test with you. Okay. So I want you to do like this and hang your head and look all right. saying. Okay, man. All right. Yeah. Okay. I ain't going to say anything. Yeah, I'm man. so happy. I'm happy, man. Happy as a motherfucker. You feel happy? Yeah, I'm happy. Okay. Man. Now I need you to do, do it Don't like this. Don't touch me no more, man. Don't touch me. Put your hey, man, motherfucker. Yeah, three times. <laughs> he going to punch. I'm going to fuck So now, <laughs> so now, put your left hand in the air like this. And I pump your fist like this and bob up and down in your seat. And I need you to try to feel sad. I need you to really try to feel sad. I'm sad. You, you can't feel sad. I can't bro. feel sad. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fold you up, my right. man. Hey, bro. You're the <laughs> so, so what happens is the way you move your body through the vagal nerve tells your brain if you. So if you move depressed, then your brain will eventually start to feel depressed. You see what I'm saying? If you move powerful, then through the vagal reaction, this is true science, you'll start to feel more powerful. How can you move powerful? How can you move powerful? That's what I'm saying. If you change your body language. So that's one of the things that's great about martial arts. You don't do martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You're like, ah! that's why they be, Aah! like yesterday when I was hit. Like, 
And so, like that, that funny, that dude, you knew this dude wasn't playing through his body language. You said, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> he said, BT. What'd he say to you? The, tr- the true story, I, all my trainers, I always, all my trainers have always been Brazilian. Yeah. And so, and you know me, I'm bad at combinations. Yeah. I'm horrible at combinations. I can't count. Yeah. Public school. I can't yeah. count. So I can't get combination. And so we're doing this combination and like with me, a one, two, four, whatever. And I and I go, ah, fuck. And he goes, sorry, he goes, BT, if you ever say fuck in a fight, it will be the last fuck you will ever say. <laughs> and I was like, all right, man. I mean, I was like, all right. Yeah. I mean, I'm hitting the bag. He stopped me. BT. <laughs> if you ever say fuck in a fight, it will be the last fuck you will ever say. <laughs> I was like, all right. Even Antonio Banderas, like, damn, man. Damn, son. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You so see? I was like, all right, man, I got you. Yeah. Man. So, so there's two types of acting. Yeah. This is how actors act. So th- we know this to be true because actors, um, you can act by studying the lines and then try to just just play the role. Or there's method acting. Yes. Where you actually really you you know all about this. Where you actually try to absorb that person's thoughts and move the way that person moves, and it brings that character to life. Yes. The reason why that works is the vagal nerve and the vagal reaction. So your brain starts to believe it's true because of the way you're moving your body and behaving, and it works vice versa. So if you use your mindset in a certain way, like we talked about programming your GPS, you program that code, it will start to make your body, you use them reciprocally. So if you wake up and your mind is in the, the gutter, then you got to start to move different. You got to move powerfully. You okay. see what I'm saying? Yes. So imagine you wrestled, you hit the mat, and this motherfucker comes out there and say, hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm about to whoop this motherfucker. I got me one right here, right? And the motherfucker come out. I remember I hit the wrestling mat one time. I almost got picked up for the Navy wrestling team. Really? I was about to leave the SEAL team to get picked up for the Navy wrestling team. They just, this dude was like, yo, big. He was Italian. He was like, yo, bigs, I think you could wrestle. I said, well, he said, man, just come out here. He took me in the room. He showed me a blast double. Yeah. He showed me how to turn somebody over. Yeah. And he said, then there's something you could do called a leg lace. And he, he just... Showed me like with his arms how to do it and turned him. So these motherfuckers took me to the wrestling match. This is a true story. I'm at the SEAL team already. Yeah. So it was a weekend. He said, "Come with us to the wrestling match." So they go to the coaches, man. They say, "We we need to find him a match. We just want to see what he can do." So they found somebody that won their bracket. Oh, and he said he'll wrestle you. So I hopped out there, man. I don't know. I bro, this dude showed me these moves last night. I ain't never wrestled. <laughs> <laughs> so I get out there. You showed it to me last night. This is a true motherfucker. Like some hood shit. <laughs> showed it to me just last night. Yeah, man, I'm about to try this right? shit. <laughs> I get out there, bro. I came out there, blast doubled them. Boom, boom. I'm taking them. I'm turning them. Then I blast doubled them real hard. Boom. We went in the air, kind of like Fedor and Kevin Randleman. My head came down right on his solar place, and I blasted so hard because I was so hyped. You yes. feel me? Yeah. Came down and said, boom, dude, the wind went out. I said, <laughs> I look. He was just laying there like a dead fish. I didn't know no other moves. I didn't know how to pin the motherfucker. I didn't know how to do nothing. <laughs> so he laying there, and he just like, <laughs> and I looked at the coach, and he's like, do something, I said. <laughs> so I, I did the leg lace thing. So I started rolling them, but it's freestyle. There's another folk style. Folk style. One of them you can't keep. Racking up points. Yeah, freestyle is one you can rack up points. Lace them. You leg lace it, and it's two, 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 because you're exposing your back. Folk style is the uh, traditional style they do in college and yeah. here. Yeah. So what happened was right before that match, I saw this dude roll the dude, but what happened was he was on the edge of the mat. So okay. he rolled the dude out of bounce. He rolled him twice to get him out of bounce. Okay. Like stop whatever he did. Right. Get points for putting him out of bounce. Right, right, right. I didn't know that. I thought you could just keep. <laughs> so I rolled him. I was in the middle of the mat. I said, Argh! and they were like, stop, stop. <laughs> I'm like, ah, 
Friday. You said do something, motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so I did the leg lace. I tech fall the dude, man. Are you serious? Yeah. First time out yeah. in college wrestling, yeah. you tech fall somebody. Here go the here go the other flip side of the story. <laughs> so they so that was the assistant coach. Okay. So then they want me to meet the actual coach of the Navy wrestling team. Okay. So, all right, man. What was his name? What was his name? I don't I don't fucking I really didn't know these motherfuckers. Okay. I just showed up. What's up, man? Hey, yeah. Okay. So I get out there. I get on the mat, I start wrestling, doom, 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 doom. You know, I'm a little jumping bean and shit, so I, I'm shooting on his leg, dude, doing all funny. Then I tried to tie up with him. He, I locked up with him. He was a bigger bigger dude. He looked kind of... They, remember, they were just giving me a motherfucker. I wasn't in no brackets. <laughs> this guy's kind of big. Fuck it. I tried to hip toss him. I put my <laughs> arm around his waist. I know what's going to happen. I here. saw the ceiling and then the floor. <laughs> Boom! I got suplexed. Done. Damn, what happened? I went over there and said, you did pretty good, man. I said, <laughs> I did pretty good. They said, yeah, that was a wrestling coach for the other team. <laughs> do, do you remember his name? No. I, do, do, oh, he suplexed man. my ass. You, BT. So then, I had that. you got another match, though. What? I go out there, man. This motherfucker, we talking about how you use the body to make the mind right. So I come out there. I said, huh. Got out there. I said, huh. Man, this motherfucker came to the middle of the mat. He said, he ran out there. said, his face was shaking. I said, shit. You know it's just a sport, right? God damn. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The way you use the body, boy, that motherfucker was ready, bro. <laughs> that motherfucker. I said, damn, man, this motherfucker needs some medication. Man. <laughs> hey, it's like, hey, can I maybe see it once off the mat? Damn, brother. <laughs> Yeah, that's my sport, man. So yeah, for sure, I, yeah. I know you can relate to that. That, yeah. that was a true story. So the yeah. way he used his body, he was ready. It put him in a state of readiness. Right, you feel what I'm saying? Right. right. So essentially, man, um, those are the tools that I use to to get through seal training. How to how to use the mind to guide the body. How to use there were other tools, but you got to use the body also to guide the mind. Wow, that is man, that's so fascinating. Did you ever get into? Were you ever in uh, in combat? Like in combat, combat? Nah, not me. Really. Uh-huh. Y'all never, you never got a chance to? Not me. Really? Just low key. Yeah. Really? No. Yeah. Were you in the same unit with, uh, with Goggins? I went through SEAL training with Goggins. So that's a funny story. People, obviously, now they know that I had the great fortune of being in his number one best-selling it's, book. It's yeah. so funny because you mentioned him, you know, when we were, and we were, we used to train together. Yeah. And, and I listened. Don't get me wrong. It was, it's the mental. You know, I, I love the mental. That's why I, I love hearing about yeah. the mental. Because yeah. that's, yeah. that's what I lacked, man, when I wrestled at my high school. I, my goal was to be a state champion in wrestling. Yeah, yeah. State cha- that's all I wanted, state champion in wrestling. Yeah, yeah. And I got second. I was in the final. And I, but I was beat before I stepped on the mat. You know why? Why? Because you didn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't. If I would have had a, a loaded gun there you go. and shut the lights out yeah. and had night vision, yeah. I still wouldn't have beat that dude. <laughs> oh, he, he was a gangster. His, his dad coached OSU. Oh, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. His dad coached OSU wrestling. And yeah. yeah, it was no. But anyway, but I bet that's, that's why I wanted the yeah, mental. Yeah, and that's yeah, why yeah, I, it's yeah. fascinating. Because I remember you mentioning. Goggins, and you know, and this was before he was all big and famous, but yeah. the story you had on him yeah. was then he break his ankle and he yep. still ran a marathon. Yeah. And you were saying, that's the mind. If you yep. said you can do it, then you do it. Yep. He ran with a broken, and I just remember going, how did he do that? And then yep. I was so fascinated. And then fast forward to, you know, the last couple of years, he's the big thing. Yeah. And I go, yep. Is that the dude, Kenny? Yeah. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, I mean, everybody wants to know about Go. I remember uh, Malik was talking about, you know, David Goggins. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, David Goggins ain't shit, my man Kenny. But yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, yeah. so, yeah. did you guys help push each other through? 
So we, man, that's a great question. So oddly enough, David Goggins is from Indiana, and he went to North Central too. You gotta be shitting me, yep. really? True story. So this is how it happened. I can figure if you black and get through Indiana, you can get through anything, man. Huh? <laughs> if you black huh. in Indiana, you can get through anything. Huh? <laughs> you walk outside, motherfucker. <laughs> they ready to get you. So look, bro. So this is how it happened. If you can drive through Martinsville, yeah, bro. <laughs> you can get through, bro. You can get through anything, bro. So what happened was the time period that we were there. So part of what was in his book was the time period we were there. So when we went through, everything was clandestine. So essentially, I mean, and I like to break this down. It's like people ask what I do. What I do is is help people to have peak performance under pressure. Yes. As you know, the mantra is be elite. And I'm getting. Yes. And I was I was getting to that. So I'm glad you're getting to that. Yes. So by be elite doesn't mean you have to be the best, but you can never fail to be your best. So we just trying to get you to be your best self. We're going to get you to best yourself. You got to do a little bit better each day. Sign a contract every 24 hours to just do a little bit better. We're going to get you to best yourself until you become your best self. Now, if you want to be the very best, the path is the same. You just got to wake up and you got to be better. You got to best yourself every day and to become your best self. Now, there's no guarantees, but there's only probabilities. If you keep fighting to be your best self, then you have the, the, the best odds of being the best. That's the, that's the path. So... Oddly enough, the reason why I say that is because at the time that we joined the SEAL teams, nobody knew what Navy SEALs did. They were a clandestine unit. Now it's all on the movies, and yeah. that's why you didn't know as a SEAL, you didn't talk about it. You didn't talk about the job. It's like, literally, you're pretty much the mob for the U.S. Like, yeah. hey, bro, go handle the light work. Okay. What happened? Nothing. What are you talking about? That's, that's what it was. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now it's different. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they're like celebrities, right? Right, right. Man, if you talked about it back then, it was you, you were wrong. And, and a lot of units still feel that way. Yeah. Because oh. of the nature of the business. Right, right, right. So back then, now you can see Hell Week, where you stay up for 120 continuous hours yes. with only four hours. Of, so you can see what's going on. Back then, bro, basically... You just heard this was the toughest military training in the world, and you're going to do some crazy badass shit, and you will risk your life and might die. That's all the information you had. So you got to be the kind of motherfucker that goes, yeah, sign me up for that. (laughs) You don't have no other information. There wasn't no videos. It's like, so you're going to risk your life. You're going to do the hardest thing in the fucking world. Like what I like to say, it's going to be the most daring thing that you'll ever do, the most dangerous thing that you'll ever do, right? Um, and the most difficult thing. So if somebody says, hey, man, you want to do the most difficult thing in the world? It's the most dangerous thing in the whole world, and it's the most daring thing in the whole world. Most people like, yeah, I don't want none of that. No other information. <laughs> no, what good. are we doing? Yeah. I don't know. It's just the craziest <laughs> shit you could ever do that's going to be the worst misery in your life. Yeah. All right, sign me up. So I, I didn't know that's the kind of person you got to be to be a SEAL. Right. So Goggins and I actually, but I didn't know, we saw the same poster. So there was a poster, and it said, this most valuable player will never get MVP. Wow. I mean, you're going to do the, the craziest shit that's going to save the world and nobody ever know about it. I love that. Um, and, and I remember I could not swim correctly. That's part of it with brothers. Right. Because we are not exposed to the pool like that. Right. And I remember watching the brothers swim. So I finally got that, the capacity to try to get what was called the SEAL Challenge. And I remember the brothers in there swimming and they were like, ah, and they had to pull them out the water. I was like, shit, that's going to be me. I don't know how to swim right either. I'm like, damn. So I got in there. And I was swimming all the way wrong. I was using all upper body. I was, bro, I was so tired. I crossed the finish line, 
you have to swim like 500 meters in 12 minutes and 30 seconds. I passed the finish line. They said, you passed barely 12 minutes, 29 seconds. My upper body was so wore. I was swimming all the way. I was fighting the water. They said, get out the water, motherfucker. So I went to put my hands on the pool and push myself up. And my arms were so weak, they gave out. I hit my chin and got baptized in the water again. <laughs> Fell back. This is a true story. They, you weak ass bitch. So I couldn't use my arm. I had to shamu my ass. I had to jump and land. I literally had to jump like this and land. <laughs> Bro. So then after that, that's the first evolution. Then you got to run, pull up, swim, right. push up. Right, right. Man, I went in the locker room and I sat down. And this motherfucker, I was just sitting there. I was like in a daze. I was dehydrated. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Because you don't realize you're sweating in the water. And I sweat like a pig. You seen right. me and you sweat like pig, yeah. bro. <laughs> so I get in there, man, and I'm just sitting there like, Ugh. And this motherfucker came up and said, what are you doing? Put your fucking clothes and boots on. I saw three motherfuckers, bro. It was one dude talking to me. My eyes were crossed. I was like, shit, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> I ended up passing that bitch. That's that why. There's got to be something more. So um, the reason why I bring all that up is because with David Goggins, there was no minor- there was really no minority. So I was the only brother running around this motherfucker. Right. So there was this dude that was a little bit racist, and this is how he approached me. David Goggins had landed on the base, and, you know, I didn't know it yet. So this guy walks up to him, and he goes, hey, Biggs. I said, yeah. He goes, there's another one of you. I said, what? He said, there's another one of you. This is how the motherfucker said it. I said, another one of what? He said, you. I said, what? A black man. This is how this motherfucker said that, bro. Another one of you. Yeah. Hey, big. I said, what? He said, there's another one of you. This is a true motherfucker. Another one of what, motherfucker? You. What? A black man. Okay. (laughs) This is how this shit's going down. (laughs) So this motherfucker walks up, and we look kind of similar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right, right, yeah. Both with the bald head, yeah. kind of similar bills, but yeah. he was like 215, 230. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. So he walks up, and he's like, what's up, man? And there was this dude, man, I don't know if this dude, Goggins talks about him a little bit in his book. I think this dude was sent to watch out for us because of what was happening congressionally. You feel me? Yeah. This motherfucker, bro, I was incognito, so you get a... <laughs> you get a... <laughs> One of one of my nicknames in the SEAL teams was Snake Eyes. Uh-huh. And I got a plaque from the SEAL teams. You get a plaque when you leave. My plaque says, where's Bigby? Because you should always sleep. No, because I, yeah. because when I don't want to be seen, yeah. I'm incognito. Yeah. <laughs> they would always say, man, we would be in the platoon space, which is about the size of this office. And these motherfuckers would be like, all the dudes are in there. It's like 14 dudes. They'd be like, man, where's Bigby? I'm like, I'm right here. I'm the only black dude in the room. <laughs> Fuck you talking about? How did you miss me? It's a vanilla it's a vanilla ice cream with a Hershey kiss. How did you miss the kiss, you know? So on this hell, everybody gets a hell we take. Yeah. Now, again, that's when you're up for uh, 120 hours continuously, right? Right. right. Um, with four hours of sleep. So that's Friday or Sunday to Friday. You get four. On the, by Wednesday, you're declared legally insane. Like, you start hallucinating. Yeah. So um, you, everybody gets a take. And they go, this guy goes through the room. There's a room. And he goes to each man in the room. Are you ready for Hell Week? Are you ready for Hell Week? I was in that room. I'm not on that take, bro. He went to every man in the room. And it's not that. It's probably twice as big as this room. I wasn't a man. I was good at hiding. So nobody really knew who I was. And you can see me. I, one day, maybe I'll show it to you. Um, and I'm like, always my hat. My hat be over my eyes. Bro, I was blending like a motherfucker, bro. So this dude walks up to me, and he goes, Big B, 
Social Security 3575534. This shit really happened. He's like, from Indianapolis, Indiana. Went to North Central High School. Uh, played football and didn't know what the fuck you were doing. <laughs> this motherfucker just knew the whole rap sheet, right? Yeah. <laughs> so then he's like, also from Indianapolis, David Goggins, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, who the fuck is this dude? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he was, he had actually was with SEAL Team 6. They called him the Rain Man. And he was like this gifted, hyper genius dude, bro. And he knew everything about us. And he, he called me after he had left the SEAL teams. He just called me one day. Big B. What's up, man? I'm not going to say his name, but he's like, it's, you know, code name, whatever. Bob. Huh? Bob, yeah. I'm in Italy right now. How are you doing? Huh? What the fuck? Is this, was this <laughs> motherfucker sent? So Goggins had told me some information. If Goggins out there, he said, hey, Biggs, don't tell anybody this information. You can't tell nobody about this. I said, all right. He says, just me and you. I said, all right. Bro, I went to the office. I gave him my leave chit. Let me tell you how this dude, there's some Talented motherfucker. Yeah. I gave him this leave chit. It got all the information, leave dates, time, place. I set it down. This motherfucker, I set it down. He keeps looking at me like this. I hand him the sheet. He goes like this. He goes, wait one moment. I need to make a phone call. He takes the phone off the hook and goes. He never looks at it. Puts it on speaker. Talks. Hangs it up. He never looked at my sheet. He goes, so you're trying to go home um, from December 15th to January 1st. I said, this motherfucker didn't even look at the paper. <laughs> I mean, they called him the Rain Man. So then later in the conversation, he would ask questions like your mama when they know you did something wrong and you can't get away with the law. He was yeah. like, so uh, is David Goggins X that he told me not to say? And it was like, if I said no, he knew I was lying. Yeah. He just randomly asked me. He said, so uh, David Goggins, how's he doing? I said, he's good. He said, so is he X? I said, Shit, if I say no, he knows I'm lying. Right, right. I, I, what do I say? I said, you have to talk to Dave Goggins about that shit. I, <laughs> this motherfucker, was he knew everything about us. It was weird. Bro. Oh, True my story. God. Love this, dude. So, yeah. Long story short, we went through. So, I was with Danny Dietz. Danny Dietz was in the movie Lone Survivor. Okay. Okay. Um, with with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg played. Oh, that's the one where uh, they got surrounded, right? By the, yeah, and they went down that mountain and do, yeah, okay, yeah. I remember that movie. He was my roommate going through SEAL training. Really? So one of those four men was my roommate. Wow. And there it is right there. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Wow, I remember yeah. that movie. Man, yeah. and holy moly. Marcus Luttrell was the, the guy in the class before us. So they were, he was like 229 or something like that. And uh, so Danny Dietz and I, we were going through training and... We our we got fucked up. Yeah. Just to say we got injured. Yeah. And uh Goggins looked at me and said, Hey man, take leave. I said, Why? He said, They're gonna try to put you back in training too early and it's gonna fuck your body up. You'll get injured. I said, All right. So I took leave, went home, came back, walked in the room, Danny Dietz was in the cast. I started laughing at him. I said, Ah, motherfucker, what happened to you? He had both our legs got injured. We were having to do rehab. We had to rehab, we couldn't walk or nothing. And he, uh, they put him out on a run while I was on leave, and they had missed a hairline fraction. His leg broke. Oh, just like Goggins said. So then, what happened was, me and Danny Deese got separated. So he got rolled to the next class, and then me and David Goggins became roommates. Holy moly, man! And what they don't know about David Goggins on the weekends, we, we, he, I hate running, and he hates running. You know what I'm saying? So he, uh, we would go out. I'd wear a flak jacket. It was about thirty pounds, but like the vest that you can wear, and he was about 2.30 at the time, 2.15. So we would go run a hard two miles in the soft sand, sprinting. 
like a five minute, 30 second pace. We would run it, run, come back, and be like, that equal four miles since we ran it so hard, right? He's like, yeah, we absolutely hated running. So I walk in, I was doing security because I couldn't get a job when I came back. They wouldn't give me a security job, BT. Wow. They was like, you're too, you're overqualified. I'm like, I just want to eat. Yeah. Can I just stand here and get some money? So, yeah. so I walked in, I seen this magazine. And I looked at it, it was Runner's Magazine. I said, that's interesting. I said, I noticed it was an African-American, not a white dude or a Kenyan. That's usually the, yeah. I said, damn, that's an interesting brother. And I looked, said, Navy C. I said, damn, David Goggins, <laughs> this motherfucker hates running. And that's where he, he, his kidney failed. He broke his feet and then finished that 100-mile run. He's trying to raise money for Dietz and them when they got killed on that mission. Wow, yeah. man. Un- man. Yeah. Holy moly, King. We could talk all day, bro. I know, I know we got to go, don't yeah. we? Yeah. I, know, I know, I know. Oh, my gosh, dude. Yeah. We got to do a part two. Part two? Oh, yeah. We got to do part two, Malik? Malik? <laughs> yeah, I hope he comes back. Are you, are you enjoying this, Malik? Are oh, you yeah. Best, best interview I think you've had so far. Hey, honestly, yeah, me too. Hey, pull up his website on, on the screen uh, also so people can see it. And so if, if you're ever in Indianapolis... Man, look my buddy Kenny up. Dragonfly Elite. I, I go there. I know what I'm talking about. I go there every Monday to take the class. I'm incredible. I mean, I've got combos. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I'm not in the UFC right now. I, uh, but uh, That spinning elbow, you can win every time. <laughs> <laughs> but you go to Dragonfly Elite. Honestly, this guy knows what he's talking about. I mean, and, you know, he's a great friend, and I knew it was going to be good, but, I, but it's the mental that I wanted to hear it. I mean, it's, it, you got me pumped now, man. Now I'm thinking, honestly, I'm thinking, man, you know, I, and I, I've always said this to myself. I go, mentally, where I'm at now, I knew I could have been a Navy SEAL. Yeah. I, I never really was a military dude. Yeah. My whole family was in the military. I never was, but, but, I, but uh, it's almost like you. I, I never was a military dude. My family's in the military, but if I was... I'd be a Navy SEAL. Yeah. And that, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And now I can swim. I mean, I can swim. I've always been able to swim. swim. When, even when I was in elementary. I, I went to the YMCA. I was a flying yeah. fish. Yeah. And I became a porpoise. I tried Damn. To, I tried to water. Well, I tried to water for 15 minutes when I was like nine years old. Is that, are those actual skill levels? Yes, bro. Damn. Yeah. yeah. So that way, like, if I'm chasing a white woman and she drips in the water, I can swim after. It's up too late. Yeah. Like, baby, where it's you, all, where it's you over with. It's you over with. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag yeah. me too. Hashtag black flipper. Then you got to do the Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my buddy, Mr. Kenny Bigby Jr., winner of the Ford Unsung Hero Award, endorsed by David Goggins. This guy does everything. He's a great, great ambassador to, to what MMA, but most importantly, just to life. And I do mean just to life because it. he inspires you when you take his class. His hands-on training and it's all and it's fun and he inspires. I took my roommate's kid there and that's the most discipline I've ever seen him in that his life. I mean that. Yeah. That's the, I've never seen him like so just in there like yes sir. I've never seen him like yeah, that and, yeah. and all because of you, man. I so appreciate you. I can't begin to thank you enough, Kenny. Thank my you man. so much. Thank you everybody for watching Tales from a Gemini. We're gonna do a part two and I and I mean it from the bottom of heart. So thank you for watching. I mean that. And like I say around this time after it's all done. Bye. Peace out.